This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? Well, I hate you. Do you want to know why? Why? Well, one, you just said something to me that was really (laughs) weird. (laughs) But also, you decided we should do a spoopy movie for October. And this has my my hard limit for spoopy movies, which is Ghost Kids. Oh. I don't do Ghost Kids. And now I'm never going to sleep again. So Good. Thanks. Good. Well, um, yep. That's all. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where I want to start with all the things that I want to say. And most start at the beginning because it's a really good place to start. Okay, so March second, nineteen eighty-eight. It was a nope, not that okay. far back. <laughs> so as many of our listeners are aware, I don't know. I I figure our listeners are usually pretty world aware. Um, another hurricane hit this great state of Louisiana. It sure did. Only about twelve miles away from the last place it hit six weeks ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which means that my family was up here again. Well, Sarah's family was up here again. Mm-hmm. And um, I do I do love my in-laws. I feel like I have to like preface it with that because I do love my in-laws. But her grandfather was very difficult to deal with this time. Um, as you're well aware. And I am. So last, I'm keeping my mouth shut so I don't spill the beans about a bunch well, of stuff. So I'm about to spill the beans on a very small scale, but uh, I can't give a whole oh. lot of information. But um, as we referenced last week in our episode that uh, my family was dealing with an awful lot, it was not, in fact, a hurricane. It was that Sarah and I have a foster child. Yes. And he is wonderful and Yay! precious and brings joy every single day. Um, he is the cutest. But the cutest. I would, I would just like to like give the timeline of this. Let's just start with this school year. <laughs> I started working at a new school in August. August 30th was our first day. Mm-hmm. Fourth day of school was canceled because of a hurricane, at which point my sister-in-law moved in with us for a month. She actually was the best visitor we had, but it was still like a person in my house every day for a month, which means that I couldn't do any of my normal, like walk around my house in my underwear at 6.30 in the morning getting ready for work. Okay, that's a lie. I'm in the car by 6.30, but like before work. Um, Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just any of those things. And it's all, you always feel like you're hosting, you know? Um, so she lived with us for a month and she was great and I love her and I miss her. And when I get my, um, soap store open, she's actually going to move up here and help me run it. Um, and so she left and four days later we got a foster child. (laughs) Yep. And so we have done the court thing and we've done all kinds of changes. We went from a, we went from no children in our house to surprise you have a two-year-old in 29 hours yes you did (laughs) (laughs) and i am so appreciative of the outpouring of love that not only dr sarah and i have seen but to the little baby because he deserves all the love yeah um he is 
so cute. I can't stress this enough. He is precious. And then, so after we finally got into a good routine and we got into preschool and we got everything going, a hurricane hit. Yay. (laughs) So um, today when her family left at 11, we took the baby to preschool this morning. I'm on fall break. So I'm off today, tomorrow Mm -hmm. and Wednesday. Um, we took the baby to preschool this morning. They left at 11. And then Sarah and I literally sat on the couch for 45 minutes in complete silence just because we could. God, that sounds <laughs> heavenly, actually. I'm a mega extrovert. Love that is not that. usually anything that's in my schedule. But damn, did it feel great. Yes. Well, you can hear what's going on over here, which is the crash bang of the cat doing what she does which is destroy things Junie's the real star of this show if we're being honest she she really is oh goodness well i i'm so excited that you kind of spilled the beans um and i'm so excited for you and for the baby and for dr sarah and for just i'm just excited i'm i'm really happy for you guys well thank you and just no matter what happens, like, I'm so proud of y'all. Oh. This has been like a stressful few weeks and all I've been is, is along for the ride. So I can't imagine <laughs> how you must feel. Um, yes. When I, one day I will take a Rip Van Winkle-esque nap. And when I wake up from it, I will stretch real big and still need two more hours of sleep. I feel ya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Cool. Yay. Good news. See, I was, af- I was afraid people were like, oh, my God, what terrible thing is happening to them? And it wasn't bad. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, bad at all. all. And that's what I tried to stress no. in my, you know, preview last week or like in yeah. my intro. Like, it really is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. But I legally could not talk about it at the time. Right. Um, so um, in other news, I didn't tell you about an email I received today or this week because i've been waiting to tell you in person to get your reaction live oh good is it from julia (laughs) i wish it was from julia but (laughs) this might be one step better in fact if you can imagine okay um it's from it's from the president of sigma whatever and he's going to tell us if he finally fucked julia after that (laughs) well not the president of sigma whatever Oh God! I got an email as an influencer. First of all, let's let that set up in everybody's mind that I, Paul, am an influencer. Um, and a company would like me to record why I am voting for Joe Biden, and they want to send me Joe Biden merch in exchange so cool right um that is really cool i was super excited um and it says things like we're looking for creators that aren't just on team joe but who are also eager to broadcast their support and i'm like i don't know how i popped up in their algorithm as somebody who makes a damn difference but that is a proof positive that i make a damn difference <laughs> mm-hmm. you continue to be the famous one and i continue to be the other one we're gonna be like christine and m from and that's why we drink and you're gonna get a blue check and i'm gonna get blacklisted from instagram yes (laughs) 
I love how you're so excited about that. I mean, listen, the thing is, after this week, I have so few joys in life that I will I take my blue check mark. Well, we're not quite there yet. No, uh-uh. Um, I think I need three more followers to really hit that um, super famous level because I have a whopping like 1,001. Yeah. Okay. Yay, influencers. Um, speaking of influencers, we are actually the um, supreme influencers of yes. America, the UK, and Canada combined. We haven't really broken mm-hmm. into the Hungarian market yet, but we're coming for you. We and, are working on it. And mm-hmm. as such, this is Lifetime Sentence. And I'm a foster dad. And I'm just still Aaron. <laughs> hey, you're a mom and you're a great mom. And you brag on your kid I, all the time. Not your, not I'm on this show. but a, I'm almost like an empty nester. That's so weird. It's weird that I've known you long enough that like your kid has gone from being a kid to like scouting high schools. I mean colleges. Like to yeah. being a successful high schooler. And like mm-hmm. I didn't have to give birth to him or anything. So I can't imagine how you feel. It's a trip for sure. Yep. It is wild and crazy times. I can't believe, like, I just, I can't believe it. Every time I get a text message from the school, it's like about colleges. I'm like, I'm sorry. I feel like we missed like a million steps here. Right. Um, he, <laughs> he was born last month. So he, he just learned his colors. <laughs> yeah. He can barely count. So, <laughs> um, so speaking of, wild and crazy kids tell me about these ghost children I don't wanna <laughs> this week Paul made me watch House of <laughs> <laughs> it came out in 2016 it stars Sarah Fletcher she plays Kelly you will remember her from the escaping the Nexium cults oh yeah um, okay. she played Allison Mack in that movie. Um, she was also in Minutes to Midnight and Psychos and Socios. Uh, I'm is, sorry. Is uh, that just an evaluation of my high school experience? Yes. It's exactly what it is. I'm sorry. Can you please get down? Get down. She's going to knock over the lamp. I will. <laughs> She's become immune to the spray bottle, which is very concerning. <laughs> And now she just fell off the counter. I don't know what's happening. Anyway, um, it also stars Gunnar Wright. He plays Brian. He was in Underwater, J. Edgar, and The Losers. Okay, nothing I've seen. And then finally we have Michaela Son. Son. Her name is Michaela. Michaela. And I don't want to make fun of her because she is probably still a child, but also... That name is ridiculous. Um, I, I worked with somebody whose name was Michaela, and she was ridiculous. And if you're listening, I don't care. <laughs> I'm sure this Michaela is absolutely delightful. Um, she was from Guys with Kids, Hawaii Five-O, and The Chosen. <clears throat> the movie opens on October 31st, 1957. 
a bunch of kids in creepy ass masks. What the fuck, 1950s? Like, if you ever Google like Halloween masks from no, like, the don't 30s, do 40s, that. 50s, don't they do are that. Horrifying, and these kids are all wearing them. Um, they're standing outside a house trying to decide if they want to go to the door. So they go knock on the door, even though the lights are off, which is rude. <laughs> And the camera passes behind a tree. When it focuses on the front porch again, the kids are gone. And then we hear screaming. Bum, bum, bum. Fast forward to July 7th, 2014. It's light outside now. And this house is actually really pretty and not at all scary. The couple who I assume just bought this perfectly lovely, not at all haunted house, come out to the front porch to find a pie. Welcome to the neighborhood. What kind of pie? I don't know. A pie-ish pie. Well, I just... So, what the pie that your neighbor brings determine, determines how much I like you. Like, apple pie, you're good. You bring me pecan pie, and you can get out with that. Bye. Gross. I'm not a big pie person, so I don't really care. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Mm. They smile and wave at the neighbors who are both quite attractive, which is really interesting. And it will come back. Okay. Um, the husband calls out his wife for staring at the neighbors for too long, but who can blame her? Because wow. <laughs> he then repeats that out here in the country, people are just weird. I'm like, okay. Um, their daughter, Sarah, is not at all impressed with the pie. Um, Must have been Brian pecan. takes a picture, and then we get the opening credits. It wasn't pecan. It was some kind of fruit. Um, now we're in the city. Kelly and her husband, Brian, are at couples therapy. Great. Brian is not over his jealousy issues, and Kelly thinks things definitely aren't fixed, but they're on their way uh, to an expensive divorce, I assume. And so the therapist tells them to keep working on their issues and make private video journals being open and honest until they can find a therapist in their new area to therapize them. Okay. Then she gives Brian a stress ball. I do not have high hopes for this couple. This sounds like um, it was really wanting to be American Horror Story. Ooh. It came out in 2016, so that was right around that time. Yeah. That it was becoming really big. Um, and then my fears about Brian are confirmed because he has birds, pet birds. Nope, bye. Mm-mm, bye. His daughter tells him not to disturb the birds because they chirp all night. Um, he covers them and tucks her in. The lights flicker, and he sees a ghost child, but the daughter doesn't notice anything. Naturally. Kelly is recording her video diary and points out that she has her business set up now. Not sure what the business is exactly, but okay. MLM. Um, oh, she's she's a massage therapist. That's why her husband is jealous. Okay. Um, yeah. I really thought you were going to tell me it was like Herbalife. Not a good day for misogyny. Okay. Or massages. <laughs> well played. Thank you. Um, uh, the door opens and she sees a shadow moving around outside. So she thinks it's Brian. And oh, it is. 
He suggests adult time once Sarah falls asleep, and so she tells him to open some wine. Instead, he goes out to his workshop where he makes furniture or whatever, because of course he does, and I just want to know how these people used to live in San Francisco. Right. He sands some cabinets and then starts to close up. Kelly's wearing her best black satin robe. She comes out to the front porch where he and hears his saw or whatever start, so she goes inside. The next morning, they get in a fight on the front lawn, of course, and Kelly flashes her lingerie. Look at what I was wearing last night. Wow. In the in the yard. Right. Good. Good. Classy. Mm-hmm. She wants to have another baby, but now Brian is too busy to uh, try. That means he jerked off that morning. Mm. Kelly sees the curtains move, Ooh. so she thinks it's Sarah. There's the garage door. Dr. Sarah did not get eaten by a dog. Yay! You know what's funny is that we did not preface that at all. You just said that Dr. Uh-huh. Sarah did not get eaten by a dog. <laughs> That's fine. Just so you guys all know, Dr. Sarah did not get eaten by a dog. It's a good. T- it's a good time to be alive. <laughs> um, I almost spit my beer everywhere. Yes. Um, Kelly sees the curtains move, so she thinks it's Sarah. But after Brian leaves, she turns around, and Sarah is just standing right behind her, saying that she's hungry. So, man, I can't stand okay. when Sarah's standing right behind me, saying that she's hungry. <laughs> Brian drives to work while recording his video diary and murdering his stress ball. He talks about how Kelly's. Um, <clears throat> business never made any money and the o- he only makes the money and blah blah I tuned him out because he's disgusting um, Sarah is sitting in the house reading and senses something so she puts down her book and walks into the next room like a zombie child great and then we cut to Kelly making guacamole in the kitchen Gua- she finds a bunch of burnt meatloafs in the oven she goes to throw them out, but sees a ghost in the hallway. It's just Sarah. She found a sheet with holes in it. <clears throat> okay, but are we not going to question why there are a bunch of burnt meatloafs in the oven? Or are we just... Oh, we'll get back to it. Great. But no, Sarah's not. She's just going to throw them away. Um, or Kelly, I mean. Um, so yeah, Sarah's like, I found the sheet. And then Kelly turns around. And when she turns back around, Sarah turned back into a ghost. It is time to throw the whole kid away and start over. (laughs) (laughs) Man, do you know what I really miss and feel like we need this episode? Hmm. The creepy ass voice from the watcher. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Please do it. Uh, Later at dinner, Brian asks himself about his day. Then he goes on a weird rampage and throws away the stress ball and says that the most important thing in life is family and dreams. And he's definitely not drunk. This guy he sounds like a ever- real blast at a party. Yeah, he got his first ever order that is not from a friend. So he goes to work on the table that the stranger ordered. Can Wait, he- I'm sorry. So she is a massage therapist and he creates custom furniture. Mm-hmm. And their budget is $4.5 million. Dollars. Yes. <laughs> yep. That is the truth. Um, so Sarah, Kelly goes to tuck Sarah into bed. And when she's leaving the room, she hears a voice whisper to cut the bird's heads off. 
I mean, like, I don't love that, but also birds are a little creepy. Yeah. Um, she then goes and records her video diary in the dark. And like, why are these people always in the dark? Turn the fucking light on. Well, if, <laughs> if she's a massage therapist and, you have and he's the breadwinner, they probably can't afford electricity all the time. Aaron, chill out. They spend it all in their house budget. <laughs> um, she leans over and grabs a water and the Slender Man is behind her. And I don't know when Slender Man got here, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a great time for Slender Man. She doesn't notice, though, until she starts hearing weird noises. She thinks it's Sarah, so she goes to investigate and there's no one there. Brian is working on his table and hears Kelly scream. He runs inside and tries to turn on the lights, but they don't work. And then he finds Kelly stabbed (laughs) on the floor. Oh, no. I didn't mean to laugh, but that just supports my claim that they couldn't afford electricity all the time. (laughs) He finds Kelly stabbed on the floor. She looks up at him and tells him, you did this. And then he wakes up to find that he hasn't, that nobody's been stabbed except the table he's been making. Oh, yeah. This is straight up American Horror Story. They were like, where's Dylan McDermott cry baiting in the lobby? We've got one better. We've got this guy who builds shitty furniture. Dermot McDillett. I yes. still call him that. I, I, I call him all kinds of wrong names because Dermot Mulroney also exists. Yes. That's why. That's why Deck the Hallmark, they just call both of them Dermot McDillett. Right. <laughs> um... So he calls it a night and goes inside and hears the birds making noise. He goes to investigate like an idiot and finds Sarah's bed empty. So he goes to wake up Kelly and they go to look for her. No, I mean, Kelly goes. Isn't it time to hmm? just get rid of that kid? You already the whole kid off. You already gave them that advice. Why are they? Why do they care? Oh goodness! So Kelly goes outside in her pajamas in the dark by herself. Cause she's also an idiot. Um, she sees someone dressed like a ghost and thinks it's Sarah, I guess, but it's not, I guess she finds Sarah just looking soups possessed standing in a bush. Um, are these people white? Yes, of course they are. Cause I had a student stand up. It was not related to what we were doing in class at all, but he felt the need to tell me this week that white people have no right being in horror movies. Cause they're all dumb. And I was like, I mean, you're not wrong, but can we get back to Frankenstein please? <laughs> and maybe he was just like preparing me for this episode. Yeah. So Sarah's standing in a bush looking really possessed. And I was like, burn the house down, find a new kid. Just no, just no. <laughs> I can't. Um, uh, da, 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 da. The next morning. Um, oh, no. They they asked Sarah what she was doing outside. And she says that she was hiding from the darkness. Oh, just casual. What she meant mm. was there were stars outside. And you told me I can't flip that light switch on, sir. Mm. The next morning. Mom wakes her up and is like, what a bad dream, right? Was there someone out there with you? No, right? Because that would be crazy, right? I, I was just wondering. <laughs> I mean, she's like, here, let's all take a shower in holy water today. I got holy water. But then Sarah just sits up and she's like, can I have pancakes? <laughs> Which, like, for real, if I was possessed the next morning, I'd wake up and be like, can I have pancakes? Right. Um... 
Oh, also the birds are dead. Well, why wouldn't they be? Like the voice whispered, their heads are missing. Hmm. Hmm. Brian digs them a grave, but gets distracted by the super hot neighbor. Um, Kelly calls her sister to come, quote unquote, check out the house. Does the super hot neighbor have a name? The only reason I ask is because I checked the cast list to figure out who the super hot neighbor is. And the only person I could see was man in pig mask. So she doesn't have a name. I think she does have a name, but I don't remember it. So the super hot neighbor man is named Clark. Okay, I'm going to do some digging. Okay. Um, Kelly calls her sister to come check out the house. Um, she asked Brian if it was a mistake moving there, and he's like, no way, I totally love it here. And I'm like, are you both living in the same house? <laughs> um, he goes to do his video journal where he rants about how Kelly just wants to go back to the city because she wants to start her massage business his air quotes by the way not mine um he found the stress ball so i guess that's good since he seems stressed right now um kelly's sister comes the next morning and brings wine so i like her um sarah shows her cousin how the toy car goes all by itself and i just want to warn you now never have kids they're tiny satans <laughs> Kelly tells Jamie that everything is more of the same. Um, The kids are now experimenting with other toys to see if they move on their own. They do, but they go the wrong way into the basement. So the cousin runs down to get the marble from the basement and Sarah stands up. Okay, but is this the neighbor guy? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. I'm really on board with this. He has no pictures on IMDb, so I did ignore you. Let me so tell you what I'm search. not on board with. Okay. Annie. Sarah stands up and goes, Mason, don't go down there. But mm. he's already too far away to hear her. Nah. He goes, he, he does, he goes into the basement and the door slams. Sarah's possessed again and walks towards the door while Mason screams to come out. And she says, I told you not to go down there. Nah. Nah. Is that the... Yep. Oh, they're real hot. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. I would stare a lot, too, unfortunately. Um, Kelly and Jamie ask where Mason is, and Sarah just turns around and says, In the dark. Nah. (laughs) So they go down to find him. He's... Uh, he's standing in the basement crying. He says he doesn't know why he's down there. So Jamie jokes to Kelly that maybe there's something wrong with the house. Um, Brian's working in his workshop and comes out to find the neighbor guy watching him. He goes inside and hits on Kelly pretty graphically in front of her sister. And we cut to Kelly doing her video diary complaining about Brian. Why are these two still together? Um, this house must be haunted by the ghost of whatever their relationship used to be. Um, she hears a noise and goes out again in the dark to yell at the kids. She sees them wearing masks from the opening scene, but just as she opens the door to find Sarah and Mason sleeping on the floor. So now there are real ghost children and I'm out. 
Yep, hard pass. The end. Um, Brian's in the kitchen wasting water for reasons, I'm sure. Um, he goes upstairs and hears Jamie come out of the bathroom. He sees neighbor guy Clark in her room. I mean, I'd hit it. But Kelly is pacing in her room. She tells him about the ghost kids and he doesn't believe her. He says that her sister is hooking up with the neighbor. So they go check and sure enough, the neighbor is definitely not in there. Um, but Brian sees him walking away from the house. Jamie says her husband refused to come visit with them because Brian is a jealous prick. I mean, then, fair point. Then Jamie tells Kelly off and they pack up and go in the middle of the night. Jamie and Mason. They gotcha. leave. Okay. Sarah watches them leave out the window. She hears a noise and thinks it's her dad, but it's not because her dad's outside fighting with her mom. Sarah turns the, around again. The door slams and there's Slender Man. So she screams. <clears throat> Kelly takes Sarah to see a movie and to the library. Sarah tells Brian all about her day and he apologizes for being a dick, but he seems super off. Maybe it's because he's holding a knife. I'm not sure. Oh my God. Kelly goes and cries in her to her video about how she feels like she doesn't even know Brian. He's in the garage doing his video and the neighbor lady comes over to seduce him. She says she's been watching him work and then they kiss. Oh, okay. and I was like, well that escalated like really quickly. You know, when, when people come over and say, I've been watching you work, my gut instinct is to make out with them right there. Like those are in fact the magic words. Well, then you too can be president. I would rather not. There are 3,000 other jobs I'd rather have. Mm -hmm. So the next day, Brian wakes up on the floor of his shop half naked. He totally flips out and puts all the saws, axes, knives, weapons, anything that, that could be used as a weapon into a safe and then throws the key into a grove that they just have. This is all super normal. Uh, is, is there a reason... Okay. Nope. He records that he feels like something is happening to him, but he doesn't know what. Whatever it is wants him to hurt them. Great. This is all fine. <clears throat> Kelly randomly sees a, a family having dinner in the dining room, but when they but then they disappear. Kelly tells Brian later that night that she doesn't like it there and wants to leave. He calls her manipulative and says the only thing wrong with the house is her. Brian calls her crazy, which always goes really well. Then he threatens her and says he'd get custody of Sarah if they split up. They fight about that for a while. And then Brian records himself seething about threatening to take Sarah away. And then he storms into the bedroom and starts screaming at Kelly. Sarah hears him. So she zombies out of her room. So he and he tells her everything's fine and to go back to bed. Then he crawls down the hallway and turns off the camera. This is all super normal. I mean, this just sounds like Thanksgiving at my family's house. Later, I guess, he tries to wake Kelly up to talk about things again, but she's dead again. It's just a dream again, but he wakes up standing over Kelly with a screwdriver, so that's a thing now. Oh, so maybe that's why he threw all the safes away, because when you have an affair, you then have to kill your wife. Mm. 
So he goes out to the safe where he put everything and finds it ripped open with blood everywhere. That's fun. That's real fun. uh, Sarah talks to her dad through the garage because this movie had to be extra depressing. Um, Kelly and Sarah go to town to buy soap. Um, Sarah writes on the store's chalkboard, quote, we will see what we choose to see. But then she doesn't remember it like right after it happens. That night they play Yahtzee. Brian disappears to get Kelly some water, but then he really goes outside to his workshop to drink a beer. Kelly goes after him and he's totally zoned out staring at the wall, spinning an axe around. Like he, like one does. Yeah. and an axe. Okay, but in, in where I live, we have an axe throwing place that also serves beer. And like, there's no way this could go wrong. No, but I really want to go to one of those places. There's so, so much fun. Um, Kelly calls her sister who tells her to go see a psychic. So she invites the psychic lady over who checks the house and says that there are two ghosts warning Sarah. They say that there are spirits trapped in there and they aren't alone. And there's something looming over the land, a shadow in the basement, a soul collector. Then she totally freaks out and says she has to go. But when she closes her car door, she gets attacked by bees. Bees! (laughs) Yes! Boy, that took you a little longer than I thought it would. (laughs) Well, I was waiting to see what happened with the bees, and then I just got so excited. So, um, Lifetime said it's family. When any of us are in an uncomfortable situation, we just let the other ones, or we are out, if somebody just shouts that there are bees and we have to run. Bees! Uh, Um... Because I'm an idiot one time and misinterpreted what was going on in a group text. So um, I tried to help somebody get out of a situation by just yelling bees. And um, it's the most effective at this point, honestly. Yeah. So Kelly tells Brian all about what the psychic said and he doesn't believe her again. Um, Okay, so to be fair, if I were telling my family about all the shit that's happening in this house and they're like you need to ha- go see a psychic i would have been like did, did did you mean to say psychiatrist because like you're probably right okay but also if a psychic got attacked by a million bees while sitting in our driveway and then i told my husband yeah she also said that this place is super haunted and he was like i don't believe you we'd have to get a divorce. <laughs> I, I like that that's, that's the breaking point. None of the stuff before this, it's that moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. He says they can't move because he just got a huge job for a new restaurant in town. So Kelly calls him selfish. Um, later, she's standing on the balcony and hears or sees the ghost, I think. So she sprints through the house and screams for Sarah, who is gone. They call the police to come look for her. They think she's somewhere in... Oh, they call the police to come look for her. They search the house and they're like, oh no, she's not here. And then the police officer comes outside and he goes, wait, she is in here. She's in the wall. The fuck? Um... They break the wall down and find her. She's all zombied out again. 
So they get her out and Brian asks what she was doing in there. And she says, it's the safe place. And then Brian asks, what would have been my first question? How did she get in there? (laughs) Right. But she doesn't know. Kelly and a policeman are in the basement looking around and find, we see what we choose to see written on the wall. So finally, the older policeman tells them about what happened in the house. A man named Andrew, who was the principal at the elementary school. Um, in 1957, two kids went missing the night of Halloween. Two weeks later, they realized that Andrew hadn't shown up for work in two weeks. How? He's the principal. Uh, uh, you, you know what? Ne- never mind. Not worth it. So the police go to his house and find the kids dead, still in their costumes. Andrew had barred himself in the room and starved himself to death. As one does. So then he starts to say, 20 years later, a woman named, but he cuts himself off because Sarah walks in. And I was like, this is like, you have to burn the house down now. Right. Like, so, okay. We don't have to start by burning the house. What you do is you get sage. You get a lot of, you get so much sage. It fills an entire room. Then you burn the sage and you walk away. And also Mm -hmm. you have to, um, so what you don't know about the sage ritual in this case is you also have to douse the sage in gasoline. (laughs) It's part of the process. Um, As the officers leave, he whispers to Kelly, Ruth Wallace. That's the name of the lady. Kelly records her video diary in the dark again because they haven't learned a goddamn thing. Um, So Kelly goes to visit Ruth Wallace in prison. Good. The corrections guy says once a year, Ruth attacks someone and then he leaves her in there with her. (laughs) (laughs) Have fun. So Kelly starts. So Kelly starts talking to Ruth who is drawing on the walls. Kelly says she knows what happened before, and I fucking wish I did. And then Ruth (laughs) turns around and tells us. So she says she didn't poison them. She just poisoned them. I mean, I've been there. Um, She starts talking about how there was something there, something horrible in the house, and the basement is the only safe room. And it flashes back to Ruth making dinner and something got gets into her mind and wanted her to kill her family. So she's so she's like making meatloafs. Oh, okay. There's the meatloafs. And then suddenly she just pulls rat poison out from under the sink and pours it in the meatloaf. But then she realized what she was doing, so she threw the meatloaves away and ate the poison herself so she would die. Because that's what the house spirit wanted was somebody to die. Okay, blood atonement. So then she crawls down the basement to die, but she doesn't die. And her family, while she was passed out in the basement, found the poison food and ate it. And then they all died. I think I missed seven steps here. Yeah. So she has, we see what we choose to see carved into her arm. Casual. Um... Kelly asks Ruth what it means, and she just says, your child is not safe. Okay. So Kelly drives home while obsessively calling Brian. 
it connects finally to video and Sarah's all dead eyed again, asking if Kelly's coming home because daddy's being weird. Um, he picks up the phone looking like a straight up lunatic and says, we only see what we choose to see or whatever. Good. I hate it. When Kelly gets home, it's dark outside. Of course. Um, she goes into the workshop and Brian locks her in. She cries on the other side about how she doesn't want, he doesn't want to, but he has to do it. So Kelly finds an ax and breaks down one of the doors. She walks into the woods looking for Sarah. Um, she walks out in front of the house and the house is on fire. This house is on fire. She starts screaming for Sarah, who for some reason is just standing right beside her. Okay. Um, the house burnt down with Brian inside. Oh, no. So Kelly. Oh, so Kelly runs to the neighbors and knocks on the door and they're not a hot young couple. What? They're like an old couple. No, they're not. None of this is explained ever. (laughs) But they turn from like a super hot young couple into an old couple. Their budget just ran out for the hot people. (laughs) Um, So she says, she voiceovers, the fireman got there in 10 minutes, but it was too late. The house burnt down and Brian was inside. She's driving away and crying and talking about how similar it all was to Ruth killing her family. And then... Like, the camera, she's actually talking to the police. Okay. They do not believe her. (laughs) Brian's life insurance policy was doubled to $3 million just before they moved. Oh, okay. That that is... And Kelly... Sketchy. And Kelly was the one that signed the paper, so they think that she did it. And then they just cut to one year later, a new family is looking at the house that was built on top of the old burnt-down one because somebody is stupid. Um... The parents are asking their daughter what she thinks. She's super gothy for reasons, I guess. Um, she's looking around the house and finds like a kind of burnt up stress ball with a happy face on it. That's real dark. The end. Well, would you like the good news or the bad news? Because it's kind of the same. Okay. Um, Yahtzee. The research I did on this movie is nothing like what you just described to me. But I did research, so you're going to get it. Well, this was inspired by true events, so... I want to know what true events. A house burned... They heard somebody whisper a house burned down, and they're like, I wrote a whole movie now. (laughs) Some I don't know, but I don't do ghost kids. So you're going to have to vet any spoopy movie we do from now until the end of time, because I don't do ghost kids. Duly noted. Thank you. In fact, I think there aren't enough lights on in this house. <laughs> I'm kind of scared. <laughs> it happens. I almost offered to shine my, shine my flashlight onto you like it was actually going to help. Totally. Yep. So, this movie was called House of Darkness, yes? hmm So, there was a book also called House of Darkness. It's mm-hmm. called House of Darkness, House of Light, and it was written by Amanda Perrin. Mm-hmm. So, 
I would like to tell you about this book um, and the film franchise that was inspired by the same events that inspired this book. Cool. So I'm going to start with this quote from Andrea Perrin. Um, This was in a letter she wrote to horrormovies.ca in June of 2013. Mm -hmm. The Conjuring is based on a true story. Our story. However, the film is not based on my trilogy, House of Darkness, House of Light. It is instead based upon the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. There are liberties taken and a few discrepancies, but overall it is what it claims to be based on a true story, believe it or not. And so as you might have guessed, House of Darkness, House of Light is the experience of this family who bought the house that the movie The Conjuring is based on. Mm-hmm. And so while it is not your house of darkness, it is in fact a house of darkness. Um, Great. So I use several art, several websites. First of, first of them was authorhouse.com, which had a write up of the actual book. Uh, one was history versus Hollywood.com, which is a super interesting mm-hmm. website where they, compare historical films to the actual history and like have lots of good research. Cool. And then one of my personal favorite websites, all that's interesting.com. Mm-hmm. So we're going to throw it back to 1952, which is funnily enough, almost the same time your movie started. Um, Yay. Ed and Lorraine Warren founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, which is the oldest mm-hmm. ghost hunting group in New England. Yep. They quickly gained a lot of notoriety as respected paranormal investigators after their initial investigation of the Amityville hauntings. So already we're off to a great start. Sorry, you cut out there a little bit, but... Oh. Um... So it's really interesting because a lot of their, and this may be what you said, I don't know, but a lot of their stuff has come back up into question. Oh, no, I haven't. Um, I didn't quite a bit. say that. But um, so they rose to popularity because of investigating Amityville. And and Annabelle. Well, I'm that's toward the end of this, these notes. So, yes. um and just so, know who they are. So Their two most famous cases, however, were heavily popu- popularized by the Conjuring franchise, which is, of course, a series of movies that focuses on their experiences exercising demons f- um, from two different possessed families. And I would just like to point out that I didn't spell, in fact, spell exercising as if they had gone and done a calisthenics class with these demons. Okay, they guys, did. it's time for Jazzercise. Um, let's put on your leg warmers mm-hmm. and uh, here's some sweating with to the oldies. Come on now. Five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four. <laughs> um, so though the movies seem over-dramatized and impossible to believe, the Warrens maintain that all of the events depicted actually transpired. Um, Ed Warren died in 2006, but Lorraine was a consultant on the Conjuring films and she claims that she did not let the directors take any more dramatic license quote than was necessary. Um, so okay. nevertheless, the true story of the conjuring remains almost unbelievably chilling to this day said, I think that was Hollywood versus uh, history versus Hollywood that said that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the conjuring begins with um, the parent family who, as I said, the daughter of this family is the one that wrote the book series, house of darkness, house of light. Um, mm-hmm. In 1971, the Perrin family moved into a 14-room farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, where Carolyn and Roger and their five daughters began to notice strange things almost immediately. And I think Great. this is why there's no, that uh, buyer's remorse clause in your contract when you buy a house that says you can't change your mind. Mm-hmm. I think that was written in specifically for haunted houses. Probably. So, um, it it started small, like Carolyn would notice things like the broom would go missing or moved from place Mm -hmm. to place on its own. Um, so like she would know that she left it in the kitchen, but all of a sudden it was in the laundry room. Like no big deal. Cause I often set things down and think that I've left it somewhere and seven years later discover the thing that I clearly put in the place that I put that I said, I won't lose it if I put it here. Oh, I do that all the time. It's the worst. Um, she often said she heard the sound of something scraping against the kettle in the kitchen when no one was in there. And nope. here's your personal favorite. She'd find small piles of dirt just in the center of her kitchen floor right after she'd finished sweeping. And that would just piss me off. That would piss me the fuck <laughs> off. She'd be like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Um, That's why I don't mop the floor ever. Because of ghosts and bees. Yes, because of ghosts and bees. <laughs> um, so the girls began to notice, like the daughters began to notice the spirits, like spiritual activity around the house. Um, but they said for the most part they were harmless, but there were a few angry spirits. And I'm like, listen, like this is kind of like that adage that my grandmother used to say that if you have soup and it's 99% soup and 1% shit, it's still shit soup and you don't want it. Yeah, it's like the whole, like, you know, uh, if you have one bad cop and a hundred good cops, you still have bad cops. Yes. Sorry. One bad apple spoils the whole bunch. That's the saying. So Carolyn, uh, no, you're fine. (laughs) Carolyn allegedly researched the history of the home and discovered that it had been in the same family for eight generations and that Great. many members of this family had died under mysterious and horrible circumstances. Great. Several of the children had died. That's drown- what I want to hear. Right? Well, several children had drowned in a nearby creek. One was brutally murdered. And a few of them hanged themselves in the attic, according to her research. Mm, okay. Uh, time to throw the whole house away and start <laughs> over. Um, and then in the film, and I never saw the Conjuring films, but in the film, um, the worst spirit of them all was Bathsheba. Can you say that again? Because you cut out again. Now I I'm thought so. Cued. The the spirit that was depicted in the film was like the worst of them all was named Bathsheba. So it turns out in their research. Weird. Right. Well, so then I'm like, is it Bathsheba or Bathsheba or like. Bachaba, like, is there a name? Is, do I not know how to pronounce this name? Um, but it turns out that they're actually. Was it the fly on Mike Pence's head? <laughs> yes, that is Bathsheba. Yes. Um, it turns out that there actually was a real person named Bathsheba Sherman who lived on the property in the mid 1800s. And I get the biblical names, but 
like down. Right. (laughs) Um, She was rumored to have been a Satanist. And there was evidence that she'd been involved in the death of a neighbor's child, though no trial ever took place. Um, and that she was say like the Church of Satan have been doing like good things. <laughs> I yes, and you know the Church of Christians has not been doing good things. Not all of them, anyway. Thank you. I was like, hold up. Don't make us go to this conversation. Sorry. I tried. <laughs> I, I, I was, I, I'm sorry. I was a little slow on the uptake, but I did get there. I appreciate it. Because as you know, I have left previously a church that was not doing great things and um, yes. told the preacher to his face the not great things he was doing. And um, he decided to turn around and try to ruin my reputation as a result. And I was like, bitch, I ain't got a reputation. Everybody knows I cuss and drink. Like, what are you going to tell them? And now you're an influencer. Right? (laughs) Oh, man. He would die if he knew that I'd been reached out to tell my story of why I'm going to vote for Biden. I'm going to send him the video because Petty Paul (laughs) is the best Paul. Oh, I love when Petty Paul comes out to play. So as I mentioned, the most haunting spirit is this. Uh, the haunt is the spirit of this suspected witch Bathsheba. She was born Bathsheba Thayer in Rhode Island in 1812. And she married Judson Sherman, um, who was a year older than her in Thompson, Connecticut on March 10th, 1844. So they really split the difference between mine and your birthday. Like they were like, they listen, really did. they, they knew that those were going to be two very important days. Oh, She's just watching me with like wide eyes and I'm a little bit screwed. Yep. So Bathsheba filled the role of housewife while her husband worked as a farmer on their land. Um, there when was, she wasn't like killing the neighbor children and well, we're not there yet, but yeah, it's coming. Don't wait. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. just wait. Don't wait. Nope. I guess I want you to spoil everything now. Don't, Don't wait. wait. Okay. <laughs> um, I, that's all. That's all I know is what you've told me. So, so um, they were pretty well off. Um, they had a son named Herbert who was born when she was 37 years old in 1849. Herbert. So like, I think the name Herbert is so funny. Right. And then it said um, it was possible that they had three other children as well. All of whom did not survive past the age of seven, but there are no right. census records that confirm these reports. Um, and the family usually had like a farmhand who lived with them as well. Um, now, of course, there is no hard evidence to support that Bathsheba was this Satan-worshipping witch, as the local folklore right. uh, said. But um, she lived... In all seriousness, she was probably a nice lady with a garden. Right. Who knew how herbs in the garden worked? Like, mm-hmm. she knew holistic medicine, and then, therefore, she's going to die. But it was the 1800s, and they were like, it's a witch, well, except that um, she was caring for the infant of her neighbor and this infant died mysteriously in her care. And when the baby was examined, it was determined that the wound that killed the baby was caused by a large sewing needle that had been impaled at the base of the baby's skull. Thanks. I hate that. Um, Mm. So the townspeople believed because the, 
Sorry, I don't mean to laugh because this is awful, but um, the only logical explanation is that Bathsheba had sacrificed the child as an offering to the devil. Sure. Right. Um, However, the court found she was not guilty on the basis of insufficient evidence. And, of course, as you and I both know, no matter how a courtroom falls, um, the public does not forgive easily. No. Um, Sometimes that's good. Yeah. So in her book, House of Darkness, House of Light, Andrea Perrin describes her mother talking to a man who she refers to as Mr. McKitchern. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like that's exactly how you pronounce that and not try again. Mr. My Kitchen. That's what I heard. (laughs) Yep. Supposedly a bit. uh, So he was like a local historian. Um, and he told Carolyn that Bathsheba had treated the help badly and that she starved and beat her farm staff. Um, and if cool. that's true, then um, you and I both know that if you're salty, you get to live forever. So she died of old age. She was like in her 80s, which considering yeah. it was the 1800s is a big deal. Um, yeah. She died four years after her husband's death. Um, she lived on to see her son, um, get married in 1881. And then, so like, she did get to like, see this full life. Um, now there are all kinds of online articles that tell you things like the day she died, her body literally turned to stone. And another one that she died. I think it's a case of not knowing what the word literally means. Right. Well, so a a couple of articles said that she died from a bizarre form of paralysis. So it could be that she suffered some like stroke that rendered her paralyzed and that misunderstanding, like she was still a stone suddenly became, she turned to a stone. She's still a stone. Oh my God. I didn't realize she turned into a stone. Oh my God. Maybe. Maybe she just got stoned before she died. Maybe. All those herbs in her garden. Or maybe they thought she was a witch and they wanted to do a biblical stoning. Yeah. So. I'm going to go with she got stoned. Um. Basic. So basically none of this is based on any fact. The most um, convincing thing is that she had this weird paralysis that could have been a a result of any number of medical issues that she contracted. There is that weird paralysis you can get. It was on an episode of Grey's Anatomy, but it is a real thing because I did research it at the time. So I thought it was so bonkers where like basically her, the lady's bones would like calcify. Right. And like, if you touched her, like the bone would break and then it would calcify and she like could not move. Huh? her body it was totally bonkers interesting but it was a real thing um now those are the same articles that said that um she had four children and that all of them had died before reaching the age of four but Mm -hmm. um the u.s census records do contradict that by showing that herman grew up herbert grew up to be an adult um he actually um had a farm and family of his own um there's no, 
so uh, this one article said, quote, as for her three other children, we can only find an unofficial record of their existence on a public internet family tree. So like somebody was on ancestry.com um, and it lists their names as Julia, Edward and George. Um, mm-hmm. It is possible that they had all died before the next census was conducted. Um, so there's just no real way to know. Um, yeah. So, let's see. So the family's connection to the spirit of Bathsheba came at the suggestion of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, Carolyn told Ed and Lorraine about the incident that had happened a few years earlier. She said she'd been lying on a sofa when all of a sudden she felt a piercing pain in her calf and then the muscle began to spasm. Um, And I would just like to tell you that's a Charlie horse. It is indeed a Charlie horse. Except that she said, oh, go ahead. So I have this weird thing and I don't know if it's because of like all the damage to my, the nerves in my neck or whatever, but sometimes I get Charlie horses in like really weird places. And often it's like, I get like four or five in one day and then I go for like a month and don't have any. It's super weird, but it happened to me today. That's why I was thinking about it. Do you remember the first week of school this year when I had a Charlie horse so bad, I couldn't get out of the bathtub and I just cried and thought that I was going to die there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Earlier today I got one so bad that, um, so my new desk is in, um, this extra room and there's a bed right behind me. I got up, I got this Charlie horse like right under my ribs and I couldn't move. So I just curled up on in a ball on the bed and just laid there for like 20 minutes. <laughs> so really well. pathetic. Um, <laughs> so the, the issue with this being a Charlie horse is that she claims that she noticed a puddle of blood at the point of impact. Um, and then, she checked for bees or anything else that could have caused the puncture in her leg, but found nothing. So see, there we go. This is where the true story is. There's a house and there's bees. Solved bees. it. Yep. Um. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry. I just saw a CNN headline. Um. Is it the one about the Pompeii? Yes. Yeah. No wonder 2020. Dummy, don't take things. Don't take things from Pompeii. Like people that take the black sand from the black sand beach in Hawaii. Don't fucking do that. Right? It's bad look. They tell you before you even go there. It's so. You. Um, but I don't know. Over the weekend, I saw they opened another sarcophagus from Egypt. And I was like, can we not? Right. Like, can you just let's leave just, the dead people alone Let's just right take now? a year off. Like, Let's just take a year off and see what happens. Like, you know, like there's a dead body in there. That's it. Like there's nothing else in there. There's a dead body in there. <laughs> and, and Leave de- it alone. Dead bodies are a dime a dozen. They are. In fact, in some early medical schools, that's how much you got paid for bringing a dozen. <laughs> so in- I'm just saying, if we could just not open any more mummies before the end of 2020, that'd be great. Thanks. In um, Andrea Perrin's book, House of Darkness, the wound is described as, quote, a perfectly concentric circle as if a large sewing needle had impaled her skin. Um. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, I injure myself all the time. 
Uh-huh. Like, I hurt myself for no reason and have no idea what happened to me literally all the time. So how does she not know it's just one of those things where she wakes up with a bruise like a normal person? Right. Um, well, so that this is how she knows because Carolyn uh, was talking to Ed and Lorraine. And um, so Ed and Lorraine are like, oh, have you heard about Bathsheba? She killed a baby the same way you got stabbed in the leg. So Lorraine was like, I bet you that her ghost came and stabbed you with a needle from the afterlife. And so from that point on... Or you got up in the middle of the night and hit your leg on something and then you got a bruise. And from that point on, um, Lorraine referred to the demonic presence in this house as Bathsheba. Um, Great. So according to Andrea, the family experienced other spirits as well that smelled like rotting flesh and would cause the beds to lift up off the floor like bed knobs and broomstick style. Excellent. Um, Exciting. But I will say, if I was Bathsheba... And I had died and all I was was a person that liked to grow herbs and I didn't actually kill a baby with a with a needle to the back of the head. Um, I'd be real pissed and I might start haunting people if they try to blame me for whatever weird shit was going on in their life. Right. Um, so according, oh, I said that already. Let's see. Um, her father would enter the basement she claimed in her book and would feel a cold, stinking presence behind him. Uh, I don't know how you feel something that stinks, but he did. I have uh, a suggestion. Don't go in the basement. Or like install like a, or like bring in a space heater. See what happens. A dehumidifier and a space or heater could work wonders for you. put in a wallflower from Bath and Body Works who does not sponsor this commercial, but I do love them. So you might put a nice little wallflower there. It'll smell really good. And then you won't have the stinking presence. Absolutely. Um, modern problems require modern solutions <laughs> they so they often stayed away from the dirt floored cellar but heating equipment would just fail mysteriously mysteriously what the hell is wrong with me would just fail mysteriously and roger would have to venture down to go fix it um so oh you're cutting out okay there you are so over the 10 years that the family lived in the house the warrens made multiple trips to investigate at one point lorraine conducted a seance to attempt to contact the spirits that were possessing the family um and during this seance carolyn became possessed she according to their notes spoke in tongues and rose from the ground in her chair and then um in her book, Andrea says she secretly witnessed the seance. So, like, maybe maybe the spirits were pissed that there was somebody who didn't pay for a ticket that was trying to peep. Like, maybe copyright laws. I don't laws. know, but I feel uh, what I saw. I saw this meme, but I feel like it's true. It's like Zach Bagans and the Ghost Adventures people. They walk through a freaking house, like yelling at ghosts and telling them to like come out and show themselves and then they scream and run away whenever they the ghost like squares up so you can't ask the ghost to come out and then not right want to hang with it right you gotta have some follow through zach so there's a ghost in this house love ya don't want to hang right continue continue to hang silently right not bother me like we'll we'll just be roommates we don't have to be buddies we'll be chill Mm mm-hmm We'll be roommates. We don't have to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> or we're, we're, we're friendly without, yeah, we don't right. have to be close. 
Um, so Andrea said, quote, I thought I was going to pass out. My mother began to speak a language not of this world in a voice not of her own. Her chair levitated and she was thrown across the room. Um, How old was she? Alive. Because I feel like when you're a kid, you remember things. Right. Much more grandy. Like, yeah. you know. Everything's a lot more exaggerated. Yeah. Um, so like when I was a kid, I would have described my dad as like eight feet tall. My dad's not eight feet tall. He was just a lot bigger than me because I was little. Right. Um, so though the movie culminates with Ed performing this exorcism instead of a seance, Lorraine says that she and her husband would never attempt one as they must be performed by Catholic priests. So like, I was just going to say that. I feel like where she said earlier, like she only allowed the artistic license needed. Like, I feel like that's a big artistic license. So, yeah. Um, so for real, like not everybody, you have to be a Catholic priest and you also have to, I think there has to be like a young priest and an old priest. Yes. It can't even just be one. Yeah. Right. Um, so in fact, when I talk about shit that happens at school, my father-in-law who is Catholic will just often say, it sounds like you need a young priest and an old priest. Yep. Um, That's funny. <laughs> so after the seance, Roger kicked the Warrens out. He said he was worried about his mental, his wife's mental health. Um, right. and then according to Andrea, the family continued to live in the house due to financial instability until they were able to move in 1980. And then she said, at which point the spirits were silenced and the hauntings ceased. But it's like, if you don't live there, you don't know what's happening, girl. Right. Well, yeah, you just left them alone. So now they're peaceful. Right. So, um, the current owner of the house, Norma Sutcliffe, stated that she and her husband, Jerry, have had far less intense experiences. Um, she said the door bangs in the front hall and she hears sounds of people talking in another room, as well as footsteps accompanied by a door opening in another room. And her husband's chair vibrates in the study. And I'm like, that's still too many things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the only things that were visible to them are a blue light that Norma has seen shoot across the bedroom and her husband thought he saw, it says a fog in the home. And I don't know if that's a typo, like, cause I've never heard a fog before. I've just heard fog as a collective or if maybe, maybe he old, saw it's like the Facebook, <laughs> the YouTube. Well, then I'm like, maybe, fog. maybe he thinks he saw a frog in which case, like, that is that is pretty creepy. There's there's a frog in the house. You you better there's some frogs in the house. There's some in this fro- house. There's some frogs in this house. There's some frogs. In- oh my god! I laughed so hard at that TikTok where the little girl asked why they don't fix the holes in the house. Man, yes. why don't they fix the holes in the house? Um. So. Norma stresses that she always looks at things from a scientific perspective and that she's never jumped to any conclusions about these minor experiences in the home. Um, She said though, that since the conjuring movie came out, her um, basically there are trespassers all the time on their property. Um, 
So she spent a long time to get rid of the trespassers. She spent a long time gathering evidence to disprove Andrew Perrin's book and the movie. And she Mm -hmm. is one of the reasons that Ed and Lorraine's um, information has been questioned so heavily lately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really um, interesting. Maybe the fact that they don't bother her is because she doesn't provoke them. That's also an idea for sure. Um, so. Cause like if there's ghosts in my house, I just want to chill. It's my house. It's your house. It's fine. Let's just chill out. So when Norma had a conversation with Andrea Perrin about all this, she stated that a minister and his wife had lived in the home between the Perrins and Norma. And he'd never spoken of anything paranormal. So Lorraine put her hand on her hip and was like, well, that's because he's a minister and he would never tell anyone if he saw demon." but it's like, no, no, a minister would tell too. Like, well, yeah, isn't that Cause, like the Bible would, says would... that spirits and demons exist. So like the, yeah. the minister would like admit, admit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. So while it not is buying not, that one, while it is not related to the parent family haunting, there is a doll um, that inspired several movies of their own. Uh, of its own. Annabelle. Um, the doll is based on a separate case from 1970 that they were, ha- that they handled, um, that Ed and Lorraine handled. Um, and it was Annabelle. And basically a nursing student named Donna received a Raggedy Ann doll from her mother as a birthday present. And shortly thereafter, Donna and her roommate, Angie began to notice that the doll would like change positions and move around the apartment on its own. Um, oh. Donna and Angie then began to notice childlike messages that had been scribbled into parchment paper, which like, where were they going to nursing school? Hogwarts? Yeah, for real. Like, why do you have parchment paper? Um, so they decided that Raggedy Ann must've been drawing that, writing that. Um, so things escalated when their friend Lou, who was staying with them, claimed the doll tried to strangle him during the night. And I don't mean to laugh because haunted dolls are scary AF. But like... Yeah, for real though. Um, on another occasion, Lou believed that the possessed Annabelle doll was responsible for these bloody claw-like scratches that appeared across his chest when he went to go figure out a noise that was coming from Donna's room. Yeah. Um, so they also had a seance and I feel like that's just two bad ideas. Like don't have seances. Listen, here's the thing. You have a haunted doll. You get rid of it. You have a haunted house. You don't bother the ghosts. You just let them chill out. And then you get rid of it. I don't understand. Yeah. What's the problem here? <laughs> <laughs> just don't fuck with the ghosts. So the medium who held the seance informed them that the doll was possessed by a young girl named Annabelle who had resided on the property before the apartments were built. When she was seven years old, her lifeless body was found in a field where the apartment now stood. So cool. Yep. So Ed and Lorraine eventually came to investigate after being informed of the doll through a priest that Donna had contacted And at the recommendation of the Warrens, an exorcism of the apartment was performed. And at Donna's request, the Warrens took Annabelle into their possession, where it still remains today as of whenever they typed it on the Warrens website, warrens.net. Yes. 
So you know who's trying to get possession of Annabelle? I'm sure Bagans. Bagans. And I'm like, listen, I'm as much of a skeptic. I get, well, not really a skeptic. I'm more of like a live and let live person or live and let be dead person. Right. But if someone tells me a doll is fucking haunted, I don't want anything to do with it. Right. Nothing. Take it away. So I'm not fucking with any kind of haunted doll. Thanks. Have I ever told you about um, the time I saw my friend's demon? Demon a euphemism? No. No. That face tells me that no, I have not. Um, It's not something that I reveal Um, often, but like here we are. So I'm apparently in the mood to tell it. Um, So it's just you and me here. Nobody else is ever going to hear this. Right. Exactly. So when I was in college, when I was pledging my fraternity, um, one of my fraternity brothers invited, he said, hey, hop in the car with me. Let's take a drive. And he, a few of us pledges got in the car with him. And he was not one of the ones that was going to like do any hazing in quotes. So we trusted him enough to go on this drive at 1030 at night, which was stupid in and of itself. But college kids are, in fact, stupid. They are indeed. I can tell you stories. He drove us out to the middle of nowhere to this really cool old Catholic church. It was really gorgeous. Um, And they keep the door unlocked at this church for prayer at all times. And so Mm -hmm. we just like went in at almost midnight. I mean, it was a haul from, from the campus. Um, And while we were there, I just felt sick at my stomach the whole time. I felt nauseated. I wanted to die. I wanted to get out of there for sure. And a church has never made me feel that way. But um, one of my friends who had come, one of my fraternity brothers, Cheech, um, he just <laughs> seemed off that night. Yeah. Um, And I turned around to talk to him. And I swear to God, I saw the most hideous, just for a second, just the most hideous, awful looking creature I've ever seen. And I don't know how to explain it, but it made, like, it terrified me. And I couldn't sleep for days after this, right? Um, So I spent a long time praying for Cheech and trying to figure out, like, how do I tell him that I know he's being attacked? Like, you can't just go Mm -hmm. up and be like, listen, I know that. I'm going to sound crazy, but I promise I'm not comma, but, um, <laughs> so I, which just immediately um, says I'm crazy. Right. So I just kind of let it go. And then, um, so a few years later, we just kind of fell out of ch- touch. And a couple of years ago, I just like he, his Facebook had been deactivated. All of his social media was gone. So I just kind of Googled him to see if I could find anything out about him. And um, he is in prison for setting his apartment complex on fire, like in the the laundry area. And when people came to check on it, he held them at gunpoint. So that's fun. And that's the time I saw my friend's demon. And by fun, I hope you mean horrible i saged the entire planet i'm gonna go sage my entire house when we're done (laughs) 
so well, I can uh, sleep tonight. this has been ghost stories with paul and aaron we hope you've enjoyed it <laughs> my parents house is haunted really that's yeah for real mm-hmm. yeah whenever i get up in the middle of the night i could always hear like what sounded like an old like radio show playing in the other room wow yeah and you're not, creepy. and you're sure that's not the way your parents had sex, just with a mid-Atlantic accent and like sound effects. First of all, my parents have never had sex, <laughs> and second of all, I God, I hope not. That's a weird. <laughs> like I don't kink shame, but that's fucking weird. Okay. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, see. <laughs> cool so i'm like really uncomfortable now so i'm gonna go watch a comedy yep um so i think next week we're watching the true story of my little pony friendship is magic yeah just just cleanse this episode (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we absolutely have no idea what we're recording next week and um it'll be a it's because it's a halloween surprise to you it's not because we're unprepared no never 100 percent. we all we always know we're in control oh huh. you froze again yeah skype's having some issues it needs to take a, a trapped model that's supposedly inspired by true events wait what's it called huh you cut out what's it called trapped model trapped model trapped I'm, model i'm already mm-hmm. in I hope it's supposedly inspired by true events, which are always my favorites. I hope it's just Tyra trying to figure out how to get out of like a glass maze, like one of those mirror mazes while Mm. smizing (laughs) just two hours of her like confused. Look, she's busy hosting dancing with the stars. now. Did Carol Baskin get voted off yet? Because she was real bad. Oh, yeah, totally. Good. All right. Well, um, do you want to tell the folks where they can find us? Sure. Um, on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Um, you can email us at Lifetime Sentence Podcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website that has show notes and all other links to our merch and all, all kinds of other stuff, which we're going to work on some new merch for the new year and then so that's at lifetimesentence.com and then you can follow us on patreon join our patreon at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence yes absolutely all those places we're all over the interwebs we are the internet everywhere we are the world we are the children we're we're every woman um see aaron said it it must be true it is (laughs) so until next time hopefully the ragweed will fall out of the air and i'll have my voice back next week until next time don't forget to eat your vegetables charge your phone wear your masks wash your hands bye bye This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.